When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome one and all to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. This weekend... This weekend, I'm sure that you, like me, were horrified by the scale of the devastation in Florida. Our hearts go out to everyone down there. What they really need is our support. So if if you want to donate, we have pinned a list of charities to the top of our Twitter page, at Colbert Late Show. Thankfully, help is already on the way. President Biden has approved an emergency declaration for Florida, and federal aid has been made available to the state. Well, thank goodness. The roads down there are a mess. People's homes are destroyed. And all that's left of Epcot are the boring parts. (laughs) Otherwise known as Epcot. (laughs) Anyway, FEMA is on the case, and things will hopefully start to get better soon. No thanks to Florida's congresspeople. On Thursday and Friday... The House and the Senate both approved a bill that included over $18 billion to help states with natural disasters. So you might be surprised who voted against it. All 16 GOP members of Florida's congressional team and Florida Senator Rick Scott seen here screaming, Avada Kedavra! (laughs) Florida's other senator, Marco Rubio, was not present for the vote. Really? Normally, he's so easy to find. Marco! (laughs) The hurricane has briefly taken the focus off of former president, the scam DeLorean. Of course, he doesn't like that, so he lashed out this weekend on social media against Senate Minority Leader and love child of Beaker and Bunsen Honeydew. Mitch McConnell. Wow! Nice. Wow! That's scary. See, (laughs) McConnell's voter to keep the government operating, which the former president evidently opposes, leading him to write of McConnell, he has a death wish. And a lot of people saw that as a threat. But the former president's spokesperson insisted, no, the reference to a death wish was political rather than literal. Okay. (laughs) But it's never great when you have to clarify that your death wish is a metaphor. (laughs) I want this mob to march on my opponent's house, figuratively, (laughs) which is metaphorically at 471 Pinecone Road and leave a severed horse's head in his bed as an allegory (laughs) for his head. (laughs) Former president continued by going after McConnell's wife, who was his transportation secretary, Elaine Chow saying McConnell must immediately seek help and advise from his China-loving wife, Coco Chow. What the hell could that possibly mean? There are only two explanations. One, that's overt racism. Or two, he's saying she's kibble for Conan (laughs) O'Brien. As usual, other Republicans pretended they didn't hear anything offensive. CNN's Dana Bash asked Rick Scott what he thought. This appears racist. 
Is that okay? I hope no one is racist. I hope no one says anything that's inappropriate. Too late. <laughs> hope all you want. The racism already happened. It's like riding on a headstone. I hope Bill didn't die. <laughs> Speaking of the former president's allies, Vladimir Putin. Last week, he forced four regions of occupied eastern Ukraine to hold sham votes in favor of joining Russia. And on Friday, he gave this big speech announcing Russia would officially annex them. Congratulations, guys. You're now part of Russia, so you can enjoy Russia's national pastime fleeing Russia. <laughs> In his speech, Putin boasted about how powerful Russia is. Russia is a great millennial power. Oh, Russia is a total millennial. <laughs> They're depressed. They're spiraling into debt. And they love avocado toast. <laughs> which in Russia... is potato. <laughs> now... they remembered... they remembered... Now, you're probably saying, Steve, this is crazy, but at least he didn't seal the deal by doing a weird hand pile with all the fake leaders of his new fake provinces. Well, person I just made up, you are wrong. <laughs> Holy shorty! <laughs> is that Putin in the middle, or was it take your creepy little son to work day? <laughs> it looked weird, but... <laughs> it looked weird, but it got weirder. I hear what that is. It's all muddled, Jim. Can we hear what they're chanting? Jim, turn up the audience mics. Wow, everyone wants Aaron Judge to hit 62. That's incredible. That's pitch to him. He also made this sweeping decree. I want everyone to remember this. The people living in Luhansk and Donetsk and Kherson and Zaporizhia have become our citizens forever. That's right, forever. Or several minutes, whichever comes first. Because while Putin was speaking, Ukrainian forces were retaking the strategic city of Liman. It's just like the old saying. Sure, why not? It's just like the old saying, when life gives you Limans, Ukrainian forces will crush you and take them back within 24 hours. That's not the only... That's not the only major Ukrainian advance. Today, they also overran Russian forces in recently annexed Kherson, Ukraine. Ukraine is taking territory back so quickly, locals didn't have time to learn that they had been annexed. This is true. When one resident was informed she was briefly Russian, she replied... I didn't hear anything about it. <laughs> it's funny to me, because it recalls a saying, without me, they married me. <laughs> wow. Eastern European sayings are so sad. <laughs> As they say, don't throw out the baby with bathwater. You waste perfectly good baby soup. <laughs> I said sad. <laughs> I did warn you that they're all very sad. There's a technical reason the Russian army is getting its ass kicked. It sucks. <laughs> According to one Ukrainian unit commander, the Russian troops he's faced have been wearing flip-flops 
and even saw two Russian soldiers who had only one gun between them. <laughs> Sergei, Sergei, we discussed this. On Tuesdays, I hold gun, you hold bullets. Tomorrow, I wear flip, you wear flop. <laughs> okay? Now, give, give, give gun. Give Vasily gun. <laughs> now, drop what you're doing, ladies and gentlemen, and focus up right here, because there has been a devastating scandal in the world of sport. At a fishing tournament in Cleveland on Friday, a duo that had been declared winners were caught cheating. Of course, this was fishing, so after they were caught, they were released. <laughs> I didn't realize... I didn't realize I deserved that. Thank you so much. You're very generous. Now, it's a lakeside fishing scandal so explosive, many are calling it Watergate. I am not a carp. They punched that carp. They punched that carp. It's very nice. The uh, controversy happened at the Lake Erie Walleye Trail Championship, where judges grew skeptical when five fish, estimated to be about four pounds each, weighed in at nearly 34 pounds. I guess you could say the judges smelled something... suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the moment they got caught trying to cheat their way to a $28,000 prize. We got weights and fish! There we oh, go! Hell! Hell! Oh, get the out of here! Call the cops! Call the cops! Listen to me! We only need to follow Jason, we got to Okay, that got real heated real fast. <laughs> Although, to be fair, every parking lot in Ohio comes with a stockpile of angry dads in Bass Pro Shop hats. <laughs> am I drunk or am I just like this? This is obviously about something deeper. Maybe my dad, he was so angry and I'll never know why I'm so angry. I feel like I have lead weights inside of me. Weigh me. Somebody weigh me. I can't be this heavy. Ah! Ah! <laughs> These cheaters weren't just juicing the fish with lead. Take a look. A filleted fish. This is a filleted, yeah. Walleye filleted. They put fish inside their fish. You can see it all in the new Disney classic, Finding Nemo, stuffed with other Nemos. We got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, speaker Nancy Pelosi. Now you can feel like you're in the audience at the Ed Sullivan Theater with official Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise at ParamountShop.com. Shop t-shirts, mugs, accessories, and more, and Late Show Pod Show listeners can take 20% off with code TLS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show products with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. My first guest has represented California voters for 35 years and made history when she became the first female Speaker of the House 
Please welcome back to The Late Show, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Madam Speaker, thank you for coming back. My pleasure. Good to, good to see you again. Nice to be here. How have you, how in have you person. been? I know it is like we talked over Zoom right. one time, but we actually haven't actually spoken since uh, President Biden was inaugurated. That's right. Since, since before that, a lot has happened since deal. then. Um, but but before before we get to that, over 15 years ago, you you broke uh, one of the greatest glass ceilings mm-hmm. in America and becoming the first female Speaker of the House. And. <laughs> Since then, you have been elected speaker again, and now you have some company behind the president at the State of the Union. How does it feel? (laughs) How does it feel to have Vice President Kamala Harris back there with you during the State of the Union? Well, it was very exciting, as you can imagine. Of course, personally, Kamala's from California, so we have known her, but officially, it was a great honor. But I have to admit that when we were there, what was really important was not that the two of us were there, but what the president said in his speech about women, about more women in the workplace and roles of leadership, and whether it's government, academia, wherever it was. And he talked about child care and child tax credit and family and medical leave and home health care and all of the initiatives that would enable more women to, not, to balance home and work. And that was what was so exciting for the two of us, to hear the president have an agenda, not just about the history we were making, but the progress American women would be making under his leadership. Well, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Would you also agree that it would be exciting someday to see two men back here and a woman <laughs> standing up there giving the State of the Union sometime? How about three women? (laughs) (laughs) We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. It is Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Let's talk about that slim majority that the Democrats have yeah, right yeah. now. You know, you know, uh, control comes and control goes. You, yeah. were, you were Speaker from uh, 2007 to 2011, and then once again in 2017 because the Repu- Republicans controlled for those six years or uh, seven years in between. Um, in 2018, when you were sitting right there in that yeah, chair, yeah. you came on here and you predicted mm-hmm. that the Democrats were going to pick up seats in the Congress on a large scale. They did. They picked up 40 seats in, in the House, a real wave. What is your prediction for the election that's a little bit more than a month away. Madam Speaker, you have the floor. 
Okay, thank you very much. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because I believe that we will win the ha hold the ha house. And we will hold the house <laughs> by winning more seats. Uh, we won the 40 seats. Then we lost some when Trump was on the ballot. We lost some in the Trump districts. Uh, but we held, en held enough seats to hold the house with him on the ballot. He's not on the ballot now. Oh, did I say his name? I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the videotapes fumigated. You, perhaps you could yeah, leap that no out. Worries, okay. No worries, no worries. <laughs> it is a family show. <laughs> but what gives you the confidence to well, do that? Because the all the prognosticators, certainly six months ago, they said it was going to be this crazy red wave. Mm -hmm. Now it looks likely that the Democrats will hold the Senate, but there is still a slight favor for the Republicans to take the House. Well, okay. So, you ready? Always. Okay. Here's the thing. When we won in 2020, and again, fewer seats, but still holding the House, we started right away to prepare for the next election in terms of organization, mm -hmm. own the ground. When you mobilize, you must own the ground to take out the vote. You have to do that with inspiration and in how we put together our messaging. And that's the second M, and the third is money. So we're getting ready for the election. That was in December of 2020. In January 6th, you know what happened, an ins uh, insurrection incited by the President of the United States on the U.S. Capitol, on our Constitution, on our democracy. The greatest influx of candidates came forward. Young people, people of color, people of different generations, different backgrounds, and the rest, the beautiful diversity of America, came forward. They didn't pay attention to those pundits who said, you can't win. They went in with courage and confidence that they could win. So... When Roe v. Wade came down, boom, we were totally ready. That, and that just caused a whole different attitude on the part of some about whether we could win. We always believed that we could win because we knew we had to, because our democracy was on the ballot, our planet was on the ballot, everything was on the ballot in this election, more than in regular Majorities come and go. It is on the ballot. You're sounding a little bit like you're talking in the past tense, if you don't mind me pointing that out. We've still got more than a month to go. Yes. Um, the polls still aren't reflecting necessarily what you're saying. No. Do, you, do you believe in the polls? No, let me just say, I said was on the ballot past when people decided to run. Okay. And now they, here they are, doing very well in their districts. Uh, the, the, when you ask about it, here's the way we see it. I'm from Maryland originally. I've been in California a long time. Yeah, you go. <laughs> so you know that it's a horse racing uh, uh, state. And in, the, in Maryland, when you're in the lead, which we believe we are, which we believe we are, we're in the lead, you're in the stretch, we made the turn. It's one, uh, five weeks from tomorrow is the election. So we're, and voting starts even sooner than that. When you're in the lead and you're in the stretch, you whip the lead. And that's what we are doing. We're whipping the lead to ensure a democratic victory. I feel uh, just watching each of the races, forgive me for saying this, in a very cold-blooded way, mm -hmm. <laughs> as to which races mm -hmm. we can win to ensure that we not only hold the House, but we increase our number. And a real tribute to President Biden. He has been a great president. He has accomplished, we're working together to accomplish so much and, and that is beginning to have some appreciation in the public in terms of his leadership. 
rescue package, bipartisan infrastructure package, this most recent uh, Inflation Reduction Act, the CHIPS Act, the PACT Act for our veterans. The president has done a remarkable job, and we have been proud to be his president. The January 6th. We're still, we are still waiting on the next January 6th hearing. Right. I, I heard right before you came out here, you may already know this, that it is possibly on Thursday the 13th is when the next January 6th hearing will be. Um, you said you would never forget and never forgive the trauma caused right. on that day. To you, what is the ideal outcome of these hearings? The truth. The truth. That is what the, this is about. It's about... Finding the truth for the American people so this never happens again. Never happens again. And I'm so proud of the work they have done in a bipartisan way, even though the Republicans had rejected uh, an outside panel. Mitch McConnell went to his colleagues and said, do me a favor and don't vote for the outside commission. Imagine. And the president's saying what he's saying about him now. He always was protecting the president. But enough of him. About the future. <laughs> uh, I'm so proud of Benny Thompson and the, the heartland of America that he represents. And Liz Cheney, I mean, so remarkable. So much courage. Yeah. Well, we have to quick break. We'll be right back with more speaker Nancy Pelosi, everybody. <laughs> Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game. Headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Nancy Pelosi. Madam Speaker, 35 years ago, um, your friend, this woman right here, Representative Sala Burton, was mm -hmm. diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. and she asked you to run for her seat. Mm -hmm. What would you want to say to her now, if you could, about the path that she set you on? Well, that's so nice of you to say, because this was really quite unusual that a woman would be indicating who she wanted to have as her successor. Men did that all the time. Mm -hmm. But here was a woman uh, offering me the opportunity to run. I had never intended to run for public office, ever. I have five children. I was raising my family in that. And when this time came and she offered this, she's, I, I said, well, Sala, I, I, I've never even thought about running for office. I'm basically a shy person. I don't want to put myself out there. You uh, do and, seem very shy. Yeah. <laughs> That was then, this is now. <laughs> but in any event, um, so I went to Alexandra, who you know, our youngest daughter, who was 16 at the time, going into senior year of high school. And I said, Alexandra, mommy has um, the opportunity to run for Congress. I don't know if I'll win, but Sala's asking me to run. And she said it would make her feel better if I ran. And uh, um, I love my life. I don't need to run for office. But I would like to honor Sala's request because it's historic that a woman is saying to another woman, run for all. 
I don't know if you know how historic that is. That's quite remarkable. So anyway, um, Alexandra uh, said, Mommy will be gone like three nights a week if I win. You know, I'd be gone like three nights a week. And, um, but again, any answer is okay. And she said, Mother, and I knew I was in trouble. I'm saying Mommy, and she's saying Mother. She said, Mother, get a life. <laughs> I had never heard that before. This was a long time ago. <laughs> What teenage girl would not want her mother out of the house three nights a week? <laughs> so, with that approval... <laughs> so, so, I would say to Sala what people say to me. Sala saw something in you that she was insisting that you run. And I hope that I have honored the confidence that she placed in me. But the first day on the floor of the house, when I was sworn in in a special election because Saul had died, uh, I said, uh, I went on the floor and I said, uh, I told my constituents that when I came here, that I would tell them that Sala sent me and that I've come here to fight against HIV and AIDS. They were my very first words on the floor of the house. And that's about all I said, except to thank my parents and my constituents. And HIV and AIDS were just just so horrible in our community and in the country at that time. Uh, so I'll say to Sala, we're still fighting to make sure the quality of life exists and hopefully someday we'll have a cure. But the, the fight against HIV and AIDS has helped us in marriage equality and other uh, diagnoses have benefited from the model uh, that the grassroots put out there. And I, we can maneuver internally in Congress, but what the outside mobilization is makes all the difference. And Sala was an outside mobilizer, so I followed uh, that tradition. My, my next guest is uh, a guy named Armando Inucci, yeah. who created, among other things, Veep. Have you ever seen Veep? Yeah, I've seen it a number of times. I don't have a Does whole... Does it seem accurate to how Washington is? No, of course not. No, everyone's really nice in Washington and no one ever stabs no. each other in the back or anything like that? Oh, I don't mean that. I just meant... <laughs> no one ever uses foul language behind closed doors or anything like that? Not in front of me. <laughs> not in front of the speaker. But uh, the... Um, the star of the show is really a star in life as well. Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Ju yes. Julie, she is just remarkable. So I'm mm. a big fan of her. So I've seen it from time to time. But um, if I have any time to watch TV, it's sports and the Stephen Colbert show. <laughs> That's how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, everybody. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. CBS Sunday, after The Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. 
Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Hey, everyone. It's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts.